Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's topic, handling special emails. Here we go. Folks, we've mentioned it a couple of times recently. I just want to say it one more time. We've added significant value to our interview series. Those of you who already have it, uh, relied on it and told us how great it is. And uh, we decided to add over 40 more podcasts to it. So every podcast we've ever delivered about how to be interviewed, the show notes for those casts are now available for free, whether you have a license or not, if you own the interview series. There are now a total of 63 podcasts that are covered by the interview series. The price has never gone up. It's still $150. So we're talking about maybe $3 per cast. Uh, we encourage you to check it out. Come to the forums, uh, come to the website, read the testimonials. If you're thinking about interviewing, you ought not to do it without knowing the details of how to do it. I'm absolutely shocked that we're actually going to talk about this. I, I just why I just shocked. I mean, oh, you mean, oh, you, you, not about not about email, but about the fact that we have exceptions to the rule. Yeah, I mean, I've been living my life like only three times a day. And Mark says it. I'm only checking my email <laughs> three times a day. And now you are, and now you're going to make me look like a fool. So you are so full of cotton candy, my friend. <laughs> um, so would you agree then that certain emails actually do justify reading them with some urgency? Yeah. And unfortunately, there's just a lot of people who email overloads them. They don't have a better way. They're not doing the the, email, the zero inbox three times a day processing. And a lot of them don't because they think, well, you know, a lot of my emails are urgent when in fact they're not. Some actually do justify um, processing and reading them on, on a, you know, some level of urgency. But the key really is to keeping that list of urgent emails very, very short. Yeah. And what people realize, of course, and you and I both know it is once you start processing mail a more effective way, um, the way we recommended in our God email cast years ago, you really begin to discover that there aren't that many emails that are that sensitive, time sensitive or urgent. And the fear most people have is fear is an acronym for false expectations appearing real. And just because you're anxious doesn't mean there will actually be consequences. People have an honest concern. We respect it. They say, my boss expects immediate replies. What do I do? We believe that the vast majority of those don't come to fruition, but there are some that do. And we need a way to address those emails that are special or different. And so, yeah, some emails do deserve special handling. Your boss's emails can be handled individually. Don't have to be, but can be. And you wouldn't hear a peep out of us if you, in fact, use the three times a day zero inbox rule and then handle your boss's emails individually. And then we'll give you some simple rules that you can use to help you identify when you're getting an email from your boss as opposed to any of the other emails you get. So let's talk about the emails that do deserve kind of some kind of special handling, right? And for example, I mean, sometimes email is used for topics and issues that frankly would probably be best communicated some other way, like a phone or a personal conversation or something like that. But that's, but that's one example, right? Yeah. And sometimes the issue is people, right? Those who prefer less contact or prefer that, that forget that communication, the goal of communication, what we should do when we think about communicating is to be effective, which is to get your message across. What many people do, particularly those that prefer less contact with others, and those tend to be high Ds and high Cs. For those of you who know DISC, I like to joke at conferences that high Cs invented the internet so they could invent email so they wouldn't have to talk to anybody. They use the wrong medium, which is email, to communicate things that ought not to be an email, either because they're urgent or important or 
because they're subtle enough that putting them in hard and fast words without facial expressions and body language or interchange between two people, email becomes the wrong way to communicate. And it has been my experience, those people are choosing that as a form of efficiency. I can sit at my desk and I can send out a lot of emails and then they complain about all the emails we get. And yet, of course, as many of us know, try not sending emails for a couple of days because you're busy, quote unquote busy, and you'll discover you start getting a lot less emails too. But yeah, some emails do deserve an exception that even though we would say the vast majority are not, some are. And look, when you start handling email three times a day, and you achieve zero or near zero inbox each time in those three sessions, which we I think we did a cast about this in the last six months. When you're doing the, those three, you're also not looking at, not handling email at any of the time of the day. What's interesting about this is it sounds so revolutionary for so many people when they first hear about it. I've noticed, Mike, recently that some of the younger people coming to our conferences who grew up with email, they think of email as fairly ubiquitous. And because, again, email has become a little bit like managing people, they don't teach it, okay? You have to learn it the hard way by messing up a bunch. And so nobody tells them you should wrestle your email into control the way you do everything else that you do in your schedule. You schedule time for it, you limit it, and so on. But once you start doing that, it naturally creates risk in the form of emails that have some time sensitivity arriving between those times when you're processing mail. And sometimes that urgency is a function of deadlines, legitimate deadlines. I would argue that if you finish processing mail at 7.30 in the morning and you get an urgent email, and let's agree, urgent email is a bit of an oxymoron, (laughs) although some people don't know that, but if you get an email at nine o'clock that's urgent and there is a deadline, I would suggest that somebody ought not to be doing that, but rather calling you. But you don't control them, and so right, you don't control them, and so you you're left. It's in your inbox, and it's a it's a ticking time bomb, if you will. Or it could be like your your boss, right? I mean, there's some role power the person has over you, and yeah, again, you can't control your boss, you can't manage your boss, and yeah. Look, and one of the things I've learned from talking to the young people, I say that more and more now, now that I'm almost 55, but there are different types of risk. And one of the things you know about executives, we know about executives, they understand different types of risk. And one of the risks is a deadline at 9 a.m. Well, that's deadline or time risk, but then there's also role power risk, your boss or somebody else with power expecting you to do something because I say it's important, therefore it is important, and we often mistranslate important into urgent. And sometimes it's political risk. Somebody who has political power beyond perhaps their role power, it's worthwhile to address that deliverable, the email, in a timely fashion. Let me interrupt you before you go on. I feel like I'm going on and on, so good, interrupt. (laughs) Well, I I just wonder whether or not, as you're writing this, you were thinking about, like somehow we might be giving people an excuse to engage in behaviors they oughtn't they oughtn't to engage in. I think the vast majority of folks that the fear and perceived risk of all these kind of things, I mean, it's it's self-inflicted. It, it, it's generally not true. So, do you, do you worry yeah. all about that? The risk is uh, perceived, and because you know people have trouble doing some experiments to determine whether or not the risk I perceived last week actually came to fruition, and therefore whether or not it was actual risk or perceived risk. For the vast majority of people, it is only perceived, and the actual consequences, which is why we would describe it as risk, are non-existent. Right. I mean, the example we talk about often is people get on a plane, they travel all day long, they don't do email, it doesn't have Wi-Fi, 
I was on a plane recently. You didn't have that, and I was going crazy. But you know, the world didn't come to an end. I got off the plane, and everything was fine. <laughs> yeah, look, people go to trainings, which are effective. I, I don't know where you'd find training like that. Yeah, maybe I don't know. Maybe with us, but does anyway. it exist? I don't. Know. Right. Yeah. Um, they go to trainings which are effective and they keep their attention on the topic. People ask me about email in the middle of the day of an EMC or an ECC and I say, you've been sitting there for four hours and you haven't looked at your phone once. And one of them, a guy actually said in Chicago this week, he said, well, that's because this training is so good. I said, well, it has nothing to do with whether the training's good or not. My point is you believe when you're not at this training that email is super important, but when something else wrestle your mind, wrestles your mind away from it, you suddenly forget that because your mind is thinking about something else. And if nothing bad happens when you repeatedly do things that take you away from answering every email as if it's urgent, you have to admit logically that the risk you perceived is not not actual risk. People go to meetings where there's a fruit bowl, which we've described in a podcast, right? And I remember very clearly being at a, an executive meeting and a Wall Street client, you and I, and oh, one of the EVPs, one of the managing directors said, no, we don't, guys, you don't have to worry about coming here and training and having people checking their phones. People work for me. They come in, they drop their phone in that bowl in the center of the table, and we don't pay attention to phones. And this, this executive, she was very clear that it was complete mm-hmm artificial anxiety. Yeah. Oh, I think I was with you when we had this conversation. It was in uh, in Wall Street, I believe. Yeah, it was, yeah. Um, And look, people forget their phones and the the world doesn't burn down or their outlook, their outlook glitches. They don't get mail for a couple hours. The server connection resets and all of the people who are sending them email, their correspondents are unaware of their disconnectedness and nothing bad happens. So in a way, you're right. I was thinking about, well, we're giving them an excuse. But this is not to be used as an excuse. This guidance is intended for those of you who have already stepped up, have learned the joy, the value, the simplicity of processing mail three times a day, and yet you still have those moments where you can get bit, you can get pinched because some people with power can send you a mail and imply that that mail is urgent or important enough that you should be actioning it in a timely way based on their timeline. Yeah, there are times when actual consequences exist for not responding quickly to an email. I think we've made the case. A lot of you won't agree, but it's much more rare than most people will admit. But it exists. And if it exists and you're doing mail three times a day, it's totally okay to create some exceptions. Now, I do want to mention one thing that is tangential to what you said, but I think it's important. Just our recommendation about three times a day doing mail, and hopefully it'll change your habits. You'll adopt the three times a day, and then very quickly you'll adopt the exception rule if you discover you need it. When you start doing things this way, guys, you're going to have a lot less urgent emails than other people. Why is that? Well, look, you'll be getting all of your emails actioned every day. You'll have zero inbox three times a day. And one of the biggest ones, you'll have zero inbox when you go home at night. A big part of that feeling of urgency, that anxiety, that free-floating anxiety is based on how folks handle email, is they always feel behind. They add a sense of fear to virtually every mail because they're already behind and they're afraid they're going to get one that really will jump to the top of the list. They're answering emails from yesterday, the day before, and that has gnawed at them and, of course, makes them less effective at everything else they do. But if you're handling your email efficiently and and wrestling it into three times a day, which is not that hard. People think it's hard, but it's not as hard as people think. The few that you do have that are somewhat urgent won't feel like an imposition. 
And you'll know for virtually all the other males, I'm going to get to that. And I don't get in trouble for not doing them at 9 o'clock or 10 o'clock. I'm going to do them at 11.15 or whenever I do them. And because you're not thinking about all the others, you'll handle the ones that are important better with less stress because they won't have come on top of others or they, they won't be hidden amongst others like little time bombs. You won't feel like all of your email is a problem. So the one or two that need attention will get your full attention. Good. Okay. Let's talk about the one that most people are thinking about, which is emails from my boss and handling those differently. Yeah, that's the big pushback we get. And folks, it may not be your boss. And so we're using the boss email as a placeholder here for whatever emails you have perceived or actual risk around that you feel is keeping you from, from moving to a more effective way of managing mail. Look, if you're feeling that way, Go ahead, read all of your boss's emails as soon as you receive them. Now notice the verb there is read, and I'll come back to that. If you allow yourself this exception, and I did a quick survey a couple of weeks ago, where was I? I think I was actually on Wall Street again. I did a quick survey of how many of you, if your boss sent you no emails, I, I asked it in an inappropriate way, but essentially proved the point. If your boss sent you no emails, how many emails would you get that you would think, oh my gosh, I got to answer this right now? And the number went down drastically, right? Um, and so we use the boss as a placeholder, as I said. Um, this exception, handling your boss's emails as they come in, removes probably 90% of that perceived risk. But you'll notice, as I said, I said, read your boss's mails as soon as they arrive. What tens of thousands of professionals have discovered when they go to three times a day mail handling is that their fears were entirely overblown. When they put in place the boss or, or some other exception, they learned that the vast majority of their boss's emails are actually not urgent at all either. And look, guys, there's nothing wrong with the feeling that you have. How you feel is how you feel. But your self-preservation instinct just lumped all your boss's emails together because every once in a while, your boss's emails explode on you and you've come up with an oversimplification, which is all boss emails are urgent, which in fact, they're not. Many of your boss's emails are just like everybody else's mails. Some are urgent, some are important, most of them are routine. And as I've said many, many times, just because you feel anxious or fear something, doesn't mean the topic of the email or the timing of an email is justification for that feeling. As we like to say, your email is poking you with an umbrella, but you're getting anxious all by yourself. So read the emails from your boss. It's okay to read emails from your boss between your email processing time. Okay. Those that you think you need to reply or an action now do that. Those that don't, and you know, this is not judgment-free manager tools. This is manager tools. And I, I spent a bunch of time in Chicago, Mike, this week actually talking to folks about what we're teaching you here with all these tools is, is really level one. And you're supposed to layer on top of that by developing processes and policies and habits along with the tools that we recommend. You're supposed to, it'll help you develop your judgment to be discerning about those things that require unique approaches. But basically, you're going to have to use judgment about what needs to be action now and what doesn't. And for some of you, you'll develop a, a, a new appreciation for how your boss makes you feel and whether or not it's really helpful and healthful for that matter to feel that way. So if you get a mail from your boss, read it. And if you think it needs something, do it. 
but use your judgment and those that don't need something right away ignore that mail and handle it first among all the other mails you handle when you next process email whether that's in the middle of the day or at the end of the day okay so we talked about the boss are there other situations that might require some specially handling of email yeah Look, what I would say is, if you're already doing email three times a day, start with the boss rule and see what happens, okay? In other words, make an exception for your boss. No, no, don't make an exception for your boss. If your boss has said, no, I like the way you're doing mail, I don't have a problem with that. I use mail the way it's supposed to be used, which is a helpful communication medium, but not something that I send urgent emails in. I know there's some of your, some people are listening going, there are bosses like that. And yeah, they're, they're the intelligent ones. If you're doing the email the right way, three times a day, which we think is the right way, and you're not getting in trouble, then by all, by yeah, all then don't change don't your don't behavior. Change yeah. Your behavior. Yeah. If it's stupid, but it works, it's not stupid. Yeah. It's my brother, Walt, Tommy. So try this with your boss and see whether or not it works. And then you'll have become comfortable with the exception. But there are some other situations. If you're on a project that has some urgency and you're in an email-centric culture, then yeah, okay, then there might be some urgency, some emails that are worth looking at in the middle of the morning or in the middle of the afternoon. If you're doing something for a more senior person who has stated a preference in terms of their communication with you or a requirement for email communication, fine. You need to look at those as they come in. A client or a customer with an urgency problem and a bias for email would probably qualify as well because clients and customers have a habit of paying our bills or not paying our bills if we lose them to one of our competitors. In all of these cases, what we're doing here is risk management. And the drivers of that risk are people and deadlines and or politics. So ask yourself, are there certain people that I need to apply a special exception to? Maybe you're a fairly new person, but because of your role, get in exposed to more senior people that tend to be have a fairly urgent mindset. That's okay. Maybe you're in a politically vague situation and your bosses are fighting with one another. That could mean something. Or maybe there's just a lot of deadlines. That could happen. For each of us, those situations will be different. But the guidance we gave about the boss is the way you do it. You read the mail and you decide whether or not it justifies emergency. And look, I'm going to make it aside here. Um, I said several times in Chicago this week, and, and one person was quite surprised I said this. Guys, Mike and I don't teach the things we do. We do the things we teach. Mm, yeah, okay. Like we eat our own dog food. We're not teaching you the horseman and Ozan way because we have our own sets of problems. <laughs> We're teaching you what our data shows or what we have a lot of evidence that really, really works. Okay. I mean, none of this sounds terrible, guys. Don't take this the wrong way, but it's almost too bad that you have to learn it from us as opposed to professional organizations teaching people as a fundamental, how to manage as a fundamental way of growing the capabilities of the organization. That said, we know it's probably not fair to compare, but Mike and I receive no emails we consider urgent ever. We don't have any special mail handling rules for handling them between when we process mail. And by the way, I learned that rule on airplanes, by the way, before Wi-Fi came along. Um, it just occurred to me. I would get off a plane three or four times a week and nothing bad happened. It's amazing. It's amazing. And I get a lot of mail. And look, to take it a step further, because Mike and I don't have bosses, everyone at Manager Tools at our company knows that that rule, there are no, meals, no emails that are urgent, 
applies to us. Now, I know there's somebody sitting out there right now going, wow, you mean if I send you an email and I have an urgent request at 9 o'clock in the morning, it's possible it won't get actioned until 10 or 10.30 or 11? Yes, it's possible. that's true. It is. And we hope it's that you don't take... It's likely. We're, yeah, we're not thumbing our noses at you. We're busy. You're busy. And if it's urgent, we're assuming that you know that there's a phone number and face-to-face or phone is much more likely to get a response. So we've lived with the exception rule and we're not living with it now. And I get 400 emails a day and I process them three times a day. And it could be very well that we could get a client that would say, Mark, I only want to talk to you by email. And by gosh, I expect an answer within a half an hour. They'd probably have to be spending a lot of money with us for me to do that. Or if I had a long standing relationship with them and they said they needed some help. Yeah. Matter of fact, I went all day yesterday without checking mail. Dude, I totally know that. Yeah. You, know, <laughs> yeah, you totally know it. And yeah. I made a decision that I had stuff I had to get done. And yeah. there was nothing on email that was going to be more important than getting that stuff done. And look, guys. We get mail just like you, and I don't have data for this, but my gut tells me many of you are like me and Mike and Wendy and many of our friends, Rich Rue and Dan West and Dan McGuire and Paul Nato, friends of mine for years and years, and you like when you have 100 things to do, feeling the sense of accomplishment by going through your mail and handling mail throughout the day keeping it at bay, keeping it at bay, doing a C-level task of sending back a quick reply or checking on something, feeling that little buzz of accomplishment that you got a small task done. That's not a way to get ahead. It's a way to calm your anxiety from super high to low-level background noise. We know, we felt it. And if you want to be a high-level professional, if you want to achieve at high levels, if you want to achieve what you're capable of achieving, You've got to be willing to resist the siren call of doing C-level tasks and lots of them for that little bit of endorphin rush and resist them in order so that you'll have chunks of time to do the A and B-level tasks. That's absolutely right. Okay, let's finish with our last point, which is using a few simple rules. Yeah, guys, we're going to talk about some rules, but I'm going to caveat this by saying I have gotten old enough now where I'm no longer surprised by the idiosyncratic methods of people's handling of email or how they use their technology, particularly when it comes to handheld devices. Every time we tell a small group of folks, here's the easiest way to to implement this mail handling technique, someone says, oh, that won't work for me because I use this special tool with this device and then do this thing with this other handy app. It's not supported anymore, but it works great for me. So therefore, I wouldn't be able to do that. <laughs> and you're like, really? You're going to hold hostage your personal effectiveness on a day-to-day basis to an app that's not supported more and a technique that was new a year ago and two years you'll have discarded. Yeah, you want to be careful about being tied so tightly to a process that is going to get trumped at some point. I don't know. I don't know why you're knocking on me, man. That that, no, palm, yeah, that, yeah. that palm pilot, man. I can't get along without that palm pilot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I remember the first time I was working with you and Madigan showed me his palm pilot and I knew they existed, but I'd never seen one work. And I was like, ooh, that's good. And then, of course, the Palm Trio, I remember when that thing came out. And, of course, that was the same time as Blackberries. And you just, Blackberries were, folks, for those of you who weren't around when Blackberries were really in their heyday as a corporate email and phone device, I have to tell you, 
Blackberries were at their time every bit as big as iPhones for people, particularly in email cultures. cultures. I remember you and your Blackberry, Mike, inseparable. Right? Let's don't talk about that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, pining away for the Blackberry. Okay. <laughs> so look, the first way to do this, and I know you guys are going to laugh, but we like to speak to those of you who actually have maintained some semblance of self-control. The first way to do this, a simple rule, is to have enough self-control to look at your mail regularly and steadfastly resist actioning any of it except those for which you have exceptions to the rule. In other words, you look at your mail between, say, 8 in the morning and 11.30 when you're going to process mail again, and you look at it and you ignore it unless it meets one of your rules. But a lot of folks can't even comprehend doing that because they open up their mail and they click on the mail and they start reading it and then they start answering it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to some degree, that depends on how you have mail show up on your handheld device or on your laptop, whether it has just the subject or whether you have a three-line um, preview and those kinds of things. And again, we're getting into idiosyncrasies here. I feel for those people who feel that way, I feel for them. It's like, you know, email's this big... It's a black hole. You, you look at it and it just it just sucks you in. Light light can't even escape. You're just sucked in yeah. your email client. The next way to do it is to check your email looking for exceptions to the rule at set intervals between your handling times. Again, with the ability to resist the temptation to do what you're not supposed to be doing, which is doing email. Okay. The cleanest way I've seen is to have certain mails handled by rules in your mail client. For those of you who aren't technical, your mail client is Outlook in most cases, or mail on a Mac. That piece of software is called a client, okay? The mail actually doesn't come to your client. It goes to the server, and then your client goes and gets it. So your client is part of the problem. That works best for those people who process mail not on their handheld device, um, which, by the way, works fine, right? If you're on a plane, you're probably not accessing mail by your handheld device, if you do that, having a rule, one of the rules you would set up is to have Outlook or your any other mail client turn your boss's mails red and have it put in a different folder, like a folder called boss, okay? Or you could create a folder called exceptions and have those mails, the ones that meet the exception, including your boss, turn red, okay? And then you look for red emails and you only do those between your mail processing times. And you can't turn them all red. That, yeah, and look that'd be, again. That'd be the, cheating. Yeah, that goes back to you know judicious use of the ex the exception and judgment. Right. We this is not judgment free <laughs> manager tools. This is judgment heavy actually. Once you learn the tools, folks, what we're trying to do is create tools and rules that will allow you to not think about things that aren't important, so you can think well about the things that are important, like creating relationships and talking about performance and setting goals and meeting them. Now, a lot of our more technologically savvy or technologically clever friends who also have some willpower arrange for their email client to send a text message to their handheld device when they get a mail that meets an exception, right? And that way they can ignore their email inbox and only wait for text messages. Some have those mails that are exceptional through rules get forwarded to a different mailbox, uh, a Gmail box, for instance, e you know, out of your corporate mailbox. And then, you know, when that mailbox lights up on your phone, I got to go back to my main mail and look for that one mail from my boss. They basically ignore their main inbox between processing times and only check that forwarded email inbox. 
some have their client play a different sound. And actually, you could choose any sound because ideally, we hope your normal mail doesn't cause a sound to be played because that would be bad to be reminded. Ding, ding, ding. Pavlovian death is what that would be. You can also, if you're fairly knowledgeable, depending upon your email client, you can have your email client query the server regularly, but only download those mails that meet the exception between processing times. And look, I'll just go back and say it again. We respect that many of you don't want to admit, but privately could say in the dark night of your soul at 3 a.m. that you are Pavlovianly addicted to your handheld device, even though it's silly and you wish you weren't. And it may be a little bit of a stretch to get over that. But if you come to the forums, if you come to the website, you'll find people talking about what it's like to do email three times a day. And you'll say, wow, well, I got to get there because this, the way I'm living now is bad. Another thing to consider, I told this to somebody about three months ago and their mouth just fell open. And I said, you don't have to get mail from the server to send mail. You can send mail anytime you want. Sending mail is not actioning the mail that comes in. People aren't worried about sending mail. They're worried about getting mail and having to do stuff because of it. It's an extra inbox on your desk. So send mail whenever the heck you want. Guys, we know that even though all these techniques that we suggested work, there's at least one of you listening right now who has proudly been able, literally, you're technologically, you're, you're so cued into your email and addicted to it and probably frustrated with it privately that you have been able to swat away every suggestion we made with an excuse for why that wouldn't work for you. If you found yourself doing that, we'd bet you're addicted to your mail so completely. Well, by the way, you also complain about it and brag about how much you get that you're not processing mail three times a day. You're not achieving zero inbox. And at this point, with all the suggestions we've made or recommendations we've made, we will just say a prayer for you. And sooner or later, you're going to end up working for somebody who learns how to handle their mail, and hopefully they'll make you do it because they're your boss, rather than just a friend who's making a recommendation in a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I probably talk too long the way I always do, Um, but guys, some emails do deserve special handling. We respect that. Your bosses are the most likely. You can read them initially to decide whether or not they need to be actioned or put back to the next processing time. And there are a few simple ways you can do that technologically to help. And as Mike alluded to a couple times, the key to exceptions to rules is that they don't obviate the rule they're an exception to. Two or three or four exceptions to these rules, the processing rules, are fine when you know there are consequences, when the consequences have been proven in the past as opposed to just a fear of the consequences. Or maybe there's a special situation. And keep in mind, if everything is special, nothing is special. All right, my friend. Thank you, sir. Anytime, partner. All right. So long. Thanks, everyone. That's it. We'll see you next week. Have a great one. So long.